I understand that this is untrue, but I almost feel like no one actually wrote Glee. Ryan Murphy just... Stephanie Meyer Twilight-like had it come to him in a dream, and then the show existed. Hello, and welcome to the Sing Sations podcast. My name is Olive, and the most rebellious thing I did throughout all of high school was tell boys that bra straps are not inherently pornographic. I mean, you're right. I'm right, and 14-year-old me said it. I'm Eliza, and I had an intro, but then I saw that today is the 13th anniversary of TikTok by Kesha being released. So we need to talk about that because it's relevant and important to this episode. Oh my god, we didn't even plan that. We really didn't. I was going to talk about, I saw an article that at the time I didn't realize was fake. It said they were threatening to cast Matthew Morrison in... Funny Girl on Broadway. Funny Girl producers threaten to cast Matthew Morrison if discourse continues. And that is a threat. That would be a threat. And then, like, the blurb was, you think you're over the worst online takes, the most drawn-out discourse? You thankless kids are in for a very rude, very uncomfortable reality check. I mean, some kids these days might need a rude awakening, but... But that's um, not for me to do. That's Not at the sacrifice of Funny Girl on Broadway and Julie Banco's career. So true. Anyway, why don't we get to, like, the the topic of our podcast, which is not, unfortunately, just ragging on Matthew Morrison. Wait, it's not? Is that not what we've been doing this whole time? That's only about 50%. So this is uh, Glee's episode, Blame It on the Alcohol, which is somewhat of a drinking PSA episode, except the entire episode, they make drinking look really cool. Like, I'm gonna be real, remember when tv shows did psa episodes maybe it's just that i don't really watch tv anymore but like is that still a thing i feel like that hasn't been a thing since like i don't know this i feel like, this, I feel like maybe this just ended psa episodes maybe it did i was gonna say i feel like euphoria at least from euphoria my is an entire psa well you would think it's a psa except people today have no media literacy and instead they go smoking drugs is kind of cool I do think that this Glee episode is the social equivalent to the Joe Camel advertisements where they made smoking look so cool by having it portrayed by a camel in a leather jacket. That unlocked memories within my brain. Quick recap, um, Sam and Quinn broke up because Santana told him Quinn obviously cheated on him. Sam and Santana are a couple. This is, I think, one of the, I mean, granted, I haven't seen much TV, but I think this is one of the most biphobic episodes of any TV show ever. And from my boy, Kurt, and we'll get into it. We open this episode with Figgins telling Will Schuster, because apparently Will is the most important person in the school to tell this to, that the kids these days are coming to school drunk. And there have been uh, five and then a he sees a kid acting drunk in the hallway and says six suspensions for being drunk at school this week alone. Which, fair enough, underage drinking is bad. You heard it here first, folks. Underage drinking? Bad. I mean, I don't think there's like a statute of limitations thing on this, and I don't feel like I would get in trouble for it now, but I'll come out and say I did drink underage. Oh, I did a little bit too. Do you remember how old you were when you like not not like first tasted alcohol, but like had a drink. I was probably like 19. I want to say I was maybe 18 or 19 too. I had like, like tasted alcohol previously. 
Yeah, because I grew up Catholic, so I'd like had wine before, but like that's not we don't count that. That's not drinking. But the reason, like the reason that I I drank underage was I was at my friend's house, and this is a friend who is like I want to say four or five years older than I am, but they were like, listen, I have been around messy college kids on their 21st birthday when they have no idea what their limits are, they have no idea what it feels like to have had alcohol before, and they act like a total idiot out in public. Mm -hmm. We are in just my house. It's the two of us. We're hanging out. You trust me. I trust you. Here we go. I'm going to get a pack of hard ciders, and you can feel what it's like to have had an alcoholic drink and figure out do you start feeling tipsy after two drinks do you start feeling tipsy after three drinks and like again not to condone underage drinking but like i feel like if you are going to do that sort of thing that like there are this is gonna be like the most stupid sentence i've ever said but there are responsible ways to underage drink (laughs) (laughs) no i i agree i think case in point with that story alone like drinking in a controlled environment and also, at the time, you were 18, 19 years old, not actively going through puberty. Not going into school. Yeah, not, not going into school. You're also not pulling multiple friends into it in, like, a peer pressure-esque situation. Yeah. I mean, um, people rag on Regina George's mom from Mean Girls. But, mm-hmm. like, when she said, if you're going to drink, I'd rather you do it in the house, she was right for that one. Oh, yeah. Weirdly enough, through all the conversations of underage drinking this episode like I feel like this exchange that we've just had talking about like feeling safe and like trusting the people you're with has been more helpful than this entire episode was to like the general understanding of drinking yeah Uh uh-huh anyway Figgins also traces the surplus of underage drinking to like pop music these days listen to any song from the pop star key dollar sign ha and Will goes, you mean Kesha? This episode is responsible for the the names uh, on our, fi- the nicknames on our Facebook Messenger chat for, I want to say, the past two years, which is yours is Tick and also Talk, and mine is K Dollar Sign Ha. I will say this is not the first time on Glee where underage drinking has been brought up. The first time was The Road's Not Taken. Mm-hmm. Because I thought it was in this episode, which was, oh, Bambi, I was so sad when the hunter shot your mama. <laughs> but no, that was season one. So, yeah. Oh, honestly, I, I think it's, like, not brought up in the episode at all. But I would very much like to say that Kurt probably has a lot of trauma when it comes to drinking because of that episode with April Rhodes. What I was going to say was, I think there's absolutely a conversation to be had about how pop music glorified, like partying and living like tonight is your last night post 9-11 but I don't think we have the time to get into that on this Glee podcast that would be like a whole cultural review I will say that there is one thing that this that this era of pop music specifically Kesha glorified for me and that would be that like I've heard people call it party grunge like that aesthetic of makeup where it's like a little bit blurred a little bit like glitter on your face early jenna marbles early jenna marbles i god i miss jenna marbles no i'm just sad so that sets up like the crux of this episode they're doing a week of alcohol awareness at the school and 
Figgins wants Will to have all the Glee kids do a song highlighting the dangers of alcohol for teens. Can you think of any songs that highlight the dangers of alcohol? There's probably a country song about, like, my old man was walking home from the coal mine and a drunk rich person hit him with their car. Rehab by Amy Winehouse or, like, Sober by Pink. But both of those are still, like, really cool songs. Yeah. I mean, like, like, Sober to Death by Car Seat Headrest. But, like, even that is more metaphorical. That song also wasn't out yet. Wish You Were Sober by Conan Gray, but, like, was Conan Gray even born when this episode came out? <laughs> we cut into the teacher's lounge where Will comes up to Emma and she said, and he says, like, it's time for us to start being friends again. I've heard that you and Carl are looking for a house together. And he gives her a toaster and uh, Emma offers for them to sit together and, like, catch up a little bit because obviously they've been, like, a little awkward around each other. And before they can really get into it, Sue comes up and is like, well, Will, you should focus on your treatment right now. And Will's like, what treatment? And Sue says, Alcoholics Anonymous, because you are a future addict. I feel like if nothing else, this episode, I think kind of doesn't make a statement, good or bad, on teen drinking, but it definitely does make fun of addiction. We do see that quick reminder from... The previous episode or so, Sue is now coaching oral intensity God. Um, because she pushed their previous director down a flight of stairs. And then just volunteered for the position, I guess. Well, and Emma asks, like, how is it that the school even let you lead a glee club? And Sue is like, newsflash, anyone can do it. People aren't lining up to lead a glee club. We cut from there to uh, Rachel in the rehearsal room and Puck comes up to her greeting her with what's up my pretty little Jewish American princess because in case you forgot we're doing original songs for sectionals so Puck says I heard your dads are out of town and um he wants to throw a party at Rachel's house and specifically for the glee club yeah And Rachel's like, no, my dads trust me. Like, we're not going to wreck their house. You just want a place to, like, have sex and drink. And Puck's like, yes, that's exactly what I want. She initially turns Puck down here, I believe. But then uh, Finn and Brad the Piano Man walk in, because Brad has nothing else to do with his time. And Rachel goes like, okay, I've got this song that I want to do. She gives him a hug at first and like he's a little awkward about it, but she's like, look, it's silly for us to pretend like we're not comfortable with each other. And, you know, what this is really about is like rehearsing the song. So like we're not going to be super awkward here. And then she starts to sing uh, what I consider to be one of the worst songs humanity has ever put to paper. When it starts out, you're kind of not sure of like, what the fuck is she on about? And then she's singing about her headband. She's literally singing like, you're sitting on my dresser with all my other accessories. (laughs) And Finn goes like, stop, stop. Is this about a headband? And Rachel's like, yeah, it's called my headband. (laughs) They say to write about what you know. Girl, you have already been dumped. Like, use that. Literally, she had like a super emotional breakup like this season. 
Um, and she said, "You like, got oh, egged by your first boyfriend, <laughs> bro." Um, she says, "Like, how am I supposed to write a song like Joni Mitchell or Carol King? They lived." And Finn's like, "Well, if you want to be an artist like them, you should live." Or Rachel says, "Like, this is the week of alcohol awareness, and I've never even had a drink." And Finn goes, "Oh, really? I guess that's why I never got past second base." And she one goes, second, I'm actually gonna Google something. Yeah, Joni Mitchell was 28 when Blue came out, so like. Yeah, she has more life experience than a 17-year-old. She has double the life experience as a sophomore in high school. We cut from there to one of these like phone conversations in the hallway where everyone's on their Bluetooths with each other. And Santana announces, like, okay, there's going to be this party at Rachel's house. And we all kind of think it's going to be lame, but like, who's going? And Mercedes tells Artie, tell them I go if they're going. And Artie says, tell them yourself, I'm not a Pony Express. Santana says, I'll only go if there's alcohol because a party with Rachel Berry is not something I can do sober. From there, the party, I guess, immediately starts because apparently they can play on a party the same day? Question mark. So everyone shows up at Rachel's house in the evening. Rachel is in like a full... An Edwardian nightgown. Yeah, a full nightgown. It's giving the same energy as the little cape she wore to have sex with jesse for the first time sex cape i'd forgotten about that (laughs) um and she like leads kurt and blaine down to the basement blaine is there because kurt saw finn's browser history and has been blackmailing finn to invite him places and blaine's like don't worry like i'm off the clock now i'm not a warbler i'm just blaine they I'm get not even wearing my uniform. And this is the first time we see Blaine without, uh, first of all, the, the suit. Second of all, more importantly for me, without the slicked back hair. It's not super curly yet. It gets curlier the drunker he gets. Which, as someone with curly hair, I deeply relate to because the more I drink, the more I sweat. <laughs> Mood. They get down into the basement and everyone is like bored out of their minds And Rachel's like, okay, guys, we're going to go over the rules. Everyone gets, like, two drink tickets, and they have wine coolers that, like, Puck's friend with a fake ID got. And Artie comes up to Rachel and is like, hey, we gotta go. We, like, have reservations at a restaurant. And Puck's like, listen, Rachel, if you want your party to not be super lame, you have to let me break into your dad's alcohol cabinet. And we quickly quickly devolve into everyone in the glee club getting shit-faced drunk this is the fastest i've ever seen anyone get drunk i feel like i've seen one person get drunk faster but there were extenuating circumstances there who was that me oh i will say these are you know high schoolers so their tolerance is probably very low santana does a body shot off of britney britney is immediately topless running around in her bra um everyone's like screaming and then rachel takes a sip of a wine cooler and shouts into the microphone it tastes tastes like like pink pink. which i don't know if you've ever had a wine cooler but they're absolutely disgusting i never had a wine cooler actually i want to say no spare yourself i don't remember what my first drink was i know my first legal drink was a screwdriver i think knowing us and knowing the experiences we've had i would hazard a guess that it was probably a mike's hard yeah, we'll rag on a Mike's heart, but 
I think they're quite good. <laughs> I also think they're quite good. And I have been told that when you turn like 25, beer starts tasting good to you. And I take that as a threat. I now am so much less excited for my 25th birthday next year. Anyway, as everyone's getting super duper drunk, um, first we notice that Kurt is not drinking um, because he wants to impress Blaine. He doesn't want to get too, too messy. Finn is not drinking because he's the designated driver. And then Kurt is like, I'm still trying to impress Blaine. And then the camera very, like, I haven't seen The Office, but I've seen clips. Very The Office, like, shifts off of them onto Blaine, dancing wildly in the background, and then shifts back to them, and Kurt goes, clearly he doesn't share the same concern. (laughs) He absolutely does not. Blaine is going hard. And then we get to your favorite line. Every time this episode comes up, I quote it, which is, it's so cool that you and Kurt are, like, brothers. Like, brothers! He's just so insanely, like, wigged out by the fact that people can be related to each other. Kurt and Blaine dance off together and Rachel comes up to Finn being like super clingy. She's like hanging off him and she, and Finn goes, okay, this is the first time you're drunk. So I'm going to explain. They do kind of a like cafeteria all on mean girls scene where he goes down all the different types of drunk girls and he calls Santana. I think this, the sad girl or, oh, the weepy, hysterical drunk. And we cut to her screaming at Sam, going, you like her more than me, referring to Quinn. She's blonde and awesome and so smart. And I just gotta say, that's the gayest thing I've ever fucking heard, Santana. Finn goes to Lauren, Zyces, and Quinn next, who we, who refers to as angry girl drunks. And we cut to them sc- screaming at Puck. Quinn goes, I can't believe what you did to my body. I used to have I used abs. to have abs! And and Lauren goes, who said your haircut was cool, Geronimo? Brittany is the stripper drunk. And we cut to her dancing on top of the washing machine and already like throwing dollar bills at her. And then Tina and Mercedes are the happy girl drunks. And we get this adorable cutaway of them like scream laughing with each other. And then he calls Rachel the needy girl drunk. And, you're, and he says, you're being really needy and clingy, hanging all over me, being overly lovey, and it's not cool. Yeah. And Rachel's like, oh, you want to see cool. Who wants to play Spin the Bottle? I just... I know that, like, we didn't go to high school, and they're, like, and therefore, like, didn't go to high school parties. But I feel like Spin the Bottle is not something people actually play. I cannot imagine anything more embarrassing than being the person who suggests playing Spin the Bottle when everyone knows that Spin the Bottle is just a game for when you want to kiss someone. And, like, if you want to kiss someone, just bring it up to them. Obviously, neither of us have played Spin the Bottle. I barely went to parties at all in high school, and the parties that I did go to were, like, homeschooled white elephant parties where everyone has, like, a red solo cup of coca-cola as they said in crucible cast party 25 virgins and a lot of sprite that's exactly it we were really really cool in high school in case you couldn't tell super cool anyway they start playing spin the bottle sam spins and it lands on britney and they have to kiss and there's this weird like bit of Santana being kind of territorial over Sam but knowing that she ends up with Brittany it is kind of like hmm what are you getting territorial there about 
Listen, Ryan Murphy didn't even know that Santana ended up with Britney at this point. So, oh, absolutely not. Um, and then Rachel spins and it lands on Blaine, and everyone's like, Ooh, you have to piss Blaine, ha ha, because they all think Blaine is gay at this point, right? They kiss. Yeah. They kiss. And then they kiss for, again, for longer and, like, with tongue. And I've never seen a more uncomfortable close-up. And I watched the Les Mis movie, like, seven times. It's it's so weird and slow. And they're doing it right in front of Kurt. He is sitting in between them, like, inches away from their face. Like, literally in front of his face. And he just goes, like, the most terrified little giggle you've ever heard. Just like, "Ah, I think that's enough of that! And then Rachel goes, your face tastes awesome. And then we start the intro to Don't You Want Me by freaking The Human League. And I love this cover. I think this is great. Their voices blend so well together. And it's insane that they can sing so well while being shit-faced drunk. I will say, and I feel like I've brought this up before, but as a connoisseur, of the Blaine and Rachel raised as twins tag. This scene means a lot to me. Not the making out part, the them singing a duet part. They're, they do have chemistry as singing partners. I'll give them that. And this is where Blaine's hair gets like full curly. He is like mm-hmm. head banging. It's so cute. Anyway. <laughs> and I like, okay. I don't know if you've ever sung karaoke at a party like this. I Not at a party, but I have gone to karaoke. I truly, I don't understand karaoke as a person. And I don't know if I ever will. Because my whole question is, like, what is everyone else doing while they're performing this song? Because I can't Ignoring it or vibing. It's all about, like, the energy of the pe- of the people singing it. And I will say, this energy from Rachel and Blaine, chef's kiss, iconic. Um, I would jam out to this if we were in a, a, a karaoke bar and they were adults and not 16-year-olds. yeah. The last thing I want to point out to that is that during the song, Santana and Sam are making out and he's slapping her ass to the beat of the song. How did I miss that? They they just shows it for like a quick second, but I did find it very funny. Anyway, after the fact, next scene, it is the morning after and Bert Hummel is coming up the stairs because he wants to ask Kurt a question about making some recipe he walks into the room. He said that today was the day that Kurt was going to tell him all about brunch. Yeah. He sees a, a body passed out in Kurt's bed and assumes it's Kurt still asleep. But then Kurt talks to him from, like, the adjacent bathroom in his room. And Bert realizes that Kurt had a guy sleep over without And Blaine asking. does, like, wake up and sit up. Yeah. And Bert is, like, pretty jarred by this and just goes like oh sorry i'll give you your privacy because he's a straight man and he doesn't know how to handle this which we'll get into later yeah and then we get into um a little scene back at the school everyone is super duper hungover wearing massive sunglasses and they go like oh i've been dry heaving all weekend i've never been says um I have a hangover. I've had a hangover since Saturday. It's Monday. Like, that's insane to me. How do you have a hangover for two days? Like, as someone who has been grossly hungover, go get some greasy diner food and just mainline water for a few hours. 
Also, in case you thought Glee wasn't going to take an opportunity to be racist, Mike says that his mom made him a special herbal remedy out of panda hair. Um, They come around the corner and Artie is there to graciously offer everyone Bloody Marys out of a thermos. And I can't remember who, but someone's like, oh, come on, guys, we can't start drinking again. And Artie's like, no, no, we just have to get more drunk and then the hangovers will go away. And then they start the cover of Jamie Foxx and T-Pain's Blame It on the Alcohol. And unfortunately, this slaps so hard. It does slap so hard. It's also so funny to watch because it is the self-proclaimed nerd of the Glee Club singing a very cool sounding song. And then watching Puck just kind of like b-boy bop in the background is just absurd looking. And then they go into doing like a full cover with the entire Glee Club up on the stage. And it slaps. It just slaps. I don't have anything else to say other than it slaps. And like, case in point, this looks really cool. I don't know why or how they got a set that looks this cool. Like in universe, I mean, I know how they did it. Like when they were filming it as a TV show. Oh yeah, but where did they get like full couches yeah, they've got like rotating stage pieces. The dancing's pretty good too. Um, it's I do also love this because it's an Artie Mercedes duet. Yeah, there's a little bit of puck in there, but I'll accept it because the net good of the cover is is greater than the net bad of a single puck line. And no Rachel Berry solos. No Rachel Berry solos. Wouldn't you know it? Um, anyway, so Will is watching this whole thing, like, jamming out, like, he thinks that this is actually really, really great, and the song ends, and he's like, that sounds fantastic, but, uh, we can't perform that, because it glorifies drinking, well, which is the opposite of what we're trying to do. I think he says it's a good number, and he's like, wow, guys, you're acting, you know, I knew you were always great singers and dancers, but your acting is really great, I genuinely thought some of you were drunk, and they're like, yep. Just really good actors, Mr. Shu. And I will say, I have been around people who are as drunk as Rachel Berry seems to be. You can smell it on them. Yeah, especially if they've been drunk for two days now, if that's what the episode would lead, lead us to believe. Will says, like, this song isn't quite what we're going for with the assembly because we want something that, like, does the opposite basically we don't want to glorify drinking the glee club kids kind of push back a little bit though i think it's quinn that's like oh well like don't you drink like you're an adult you've had a drink yeah, exactly he's a fucking adult <laughs> i mean yeah like case in point the big difference here is that will schuster's brain is well i was gonna say that will schuster's brain is done developing but due to evidence shown to us literally on this show that's perhaps not true but in a general sense, adults' brains are done developing and children's brains are not. And Rachel has a line here that's like, oh, we're supposed to be singing about the dangers of alcohol, but there are no dangers of alcohol as long as you have a designated driver. And Will's like, whoa, whoa, even if you're not drunk driving, you can still like get alcohol poisoning. You can get seriously hurt. And, like, yes, I have a beer at the end of the night sometimes, but, like, that's very different from getting drunk. Mm-hmm. And he just says, like, okay, end of rehearsal. We're gonna just take some more time to think of a better song. We go into, actually, 
I really like the portrayal of Will and Beast's relationship this episode. We go into a scene at the teacher's lounge where uh, Will is like, you know, am I out of touch? You know, I used to drink when I was their age and most of the time it was to tolerate Terry. But like, who am I to tell them not to drink when I passed out drinking when I was their age? And Beast is like, I think there's maybe something else bothering you here. So Will starts describing like, oh yeah, my divorce has really started to sink in and like Sue is coaching our competitor and Emma's looking for a new house with her husband. My reaction to this scene is that Vinewort's like, I'm going to say it. I don't care that you broke your elbow. Um, and Beast says like, okay, well, what do you do to relieve stress? And Will's like, well, I organize numbers for the Glee Club. And Beast like, that is not enough. And he says... Tomorrow night or tonight, we're going to go to this like roadhouse bar place. It's like a cowboy place. And he's like, okay, you're going to go with with me to this bar because you're going to blow off steam the way I blow off steam. We go back to Rachel, this little like cut back and forth with Rachel on the phone in her bedroom and then Kurt and Blaine getting coffee at the lima bean. Um. Rachel calls Blaine up and on Blaine's side of the phone, we hear him go like, okay, yeah, I can totally do that. Um, Yeah, I'll see you then. And Kurt's like, oh, what was that? And he says, well, Rachel just invited me on a date. And Kurt's like, oh, ha ha, that's hilarious. And so the biphobia begins. Yeah. I will say I understand Kurt's confusion at first because obviously he is under the impression that Blaine also identifies as gay. Mm -hmm. but then he realizes like oh wait you said yes on the phone and Blaine's like yeah I you know when we kissed it felt good so like there's no harm in going on one date and Kurt says like Blaine you were trashed yeah you were trashed you were drunk and like obviously that can influence your decision making um but this is where Kurt really takes in his heels and is like Blaine I will say I will say, even without the biphobia, I'm physically incapable ima- of imagining anyone enjoying making out with Rachel Berry. Blaine says, you know, like, I've never had a boyfriend before. And so, like, this is, you know, I'm a teenager. Is this not supposed to be the time in my life when I'm supposed to just, like, figure things out? And Kurt's like, you've got to be kidding. And Blaine says, maybe I'm bi. And Kurt says, bisexual is a term used by gay guys in high school when they want to hold hands with a girl and feel normal for once. Oh, my baby. Oh, my cinnamon apple. What have they done to you? I, yeah. And I've said before, uh, I think mostly with the having a crush on Finn thing, I choose to believe that this is Ryan Murphy taking over Kurt's body like a demon to have him say terrible things. Oh, you're right. And you should say it. But also, like, I, Kurt has a line here when he says, like, oh, Blaine asks why him, it makes him so upset. And Kurt is like, because I look up to you. I admire how proud you are of who you are. And, like, you came out of the closet once and now you're about to go back into the closet. To which I am like, that directly implies that you can't be a proud bisexual, which is, like, deeply insulting. Which, kiss my ass! Implying that being bisexual is being, like, half in the closet. Like, fuck 
all the way off. If and you then know Blaine, someone is bisexual, they are by full nature of that out of the closet. Blaine fully like claps back too and is like, I'm sorry if this offends your pride, but this is who I'm figuring out. Basically he's saying I'm trying to figure out who I am and maybe this is it. And then has, I will say, I'm not going to say that the biphobia storyline completely makes up for this. However, I will say that this is one of the most iconic lines from this TV show, which is he goes to leave and Blaine says, I'd say bye, but I don't want to offend you. Yeah, he's so sassy. I love him. Season Um, two Blaine could like destroy season five Blaine with one look. Listen, but could season two Blaine absolutely bore a cronut? No, and he shouldn't. No one should. <laughs> anyway. This is an anti-vore podcast. I'm claiming it now. Um, we go into uh Beast and Will hanging out at the country bar and Where they are cosplaying as working class farmers. Well, they're teachers, so they are working class, but they're they're wearing cowboy hats, is what yeah. it is. And Will is doing a mechanical bull, and Coach Beast uh, punches one of those, like, boxing game things. And as they're, like, getting basically completely drunk, they're doing constant shots, um, Beast gets up on the stage with a man who looks quite a lot like Jim Hopper from Stranger Things, in my opinion. And... Um, he announces like, okay, we've got someone who's new to the bar here. So everyone give him a warm welcome and beast and will, uh, start singing. What is it? It's called one bourbon, one scotch, one beer by Amos Milburn, Milburn. This song is actually pretty good. I really like, um, Dot Marie Jones's voice. So I think it's a fun duet. I don't know if I like love the song, because I think there are better country songs. There but... are better that are there are better country songs, and there are specifically better country songs that I could name that are about drinking. Like, I mean, I know that before he cheats is not the vibe they're going for here, but like the one that sticks out in my mind is like uh, "Rain Makes Corn, Corn Makes Whiskey, Whiskey Makes My Baby Feel a Little Frisky." Friends in Low Places by Garth Brooks. I don't know any like, of these songs, but they should have done Friends in Low Places. Friends in Low Places absolutely slaps. Yeah, I mean, but no diss to this song. Like, it still sounds good. Maybe there are some fans of it out there. It just it feels maybe also a little forgettable. Yeah. God, can you believe Glee never did Country Girl Shake It for Me? I can because I don't think that song was released when Glee was happening. But I wanted it. I want them to do it can you believe that glee never did goodbye earl can you believe that glee never did before he cheats or Um, achy breaky heart sorry now we're just on a tear about oh my god achy breaky heart would have been such a cute beast and will duet i would have loved that anyway we go into the next scene which is kurt and rachel cleaning up her dad's basement because it's been now three full days and apparently they haven't cleaned the basement um and kurt is already being like a little he's being a cunt about it yeah he's what it is is the biphobia knows no bounds yeah he asks her how the date went and they apparently saw love story at a theater nearby and he asks if they kissed and she says no they didn't and 
she says like hey i know that you you it's kind of were into blaine for a little while but you know like i don't want this to impede on our friendship rachel no offense it's fucking gonna yeah whatever happened to bros before hoes rachel well and rachel does this weird like oh i'm just a martyr in this situation like I'm just helping Blaine figure out who he is. And if he turns out not to be gay, then I guess I've done you a favor. Again, I want to point out that even if Blaine is bi, that doesn't mean he can't get with Kurt. Yep. Like, it's this weird, like, he's choosing either Rachel or Kurt. And it's like, he could have just been bi this whole time and had an interest in both of them. I mean, obviously, if he started dating one of them, he shouldn't try to balance both. But, like... you Which like- I will say would have been a way better storyline of him trying to choose between Rachel and Kurt. However, if he had even thought about choosing choosing Rachel, I would have lost all respect for him. Well, but and I will say that's neither here nor there. We'll get into it with like the end of the episode. I personally do believe that Blaine is a gay character, he, but like he should be allowed to have an episode about figuring out his sexuality without being constantly like ridiculed and roasted for like god forbid not being 100 percent sure on his labels yeah because again this was like 2010 2011 and kurt says here like oh blaine is just the first in a long line of conflicted men that you will date to later find out that they have turned into the most flaming of homosexuals kurt says at the end of the scene like oh well that kiss only felt good because you were both drunk and Rachel's like, oh, really? Well, I'm going to kiss him while sober, and it's going to be great, and you're going to eat a slice of humble pie. We cut, and it's same evening. It's Beast taking Will back into his apartment and, like, putting him on the couch, making sure he's safe, everything's okay. Will, after Beast leaves, starts grading papers and is, like, giving everyone an A+, because he's, like, not even, like, reading them. He's just like, A+, you get an A+, and you get an A+. And then he takes out his cell phone and drunk dials a phone number. He He's trying to drunk dial Emma. And we don't which, find which out. Which doesn't make this better. Yeah, oh, absolutely not. I, But, like, at least if it had been Emma, he could, like, apologize directly for that. I do feel what happens is, like, so much worse. We go from there to a scene in the hallway where it's you know morning after now will is hungover and he has to talk to figgins about the assembly figgins brings up you know like the last time your glee kids sung at the assembly like things didn't turn out too well because that was when they did britney spears sex riot yeah and push it so really this is strike three for the glee club i had literally shoved that one out of my brain (laughs) yeah but figgins is like i have a really good feeling about this one and uh, Will is just, like, obviously very distracted and overwhelmed because he's hungover. So he just, like, walks away. He sees Emma in the hallway and tries to apologize to her. And is like, oh, I'm so sorry about, like, I don't even re- I'm so sorry. I don't even remember what I said. Like, I hope this doesn't make you feel awkward. And Emma's like, what are you talking about? And Will's like, oh, well, I drunk dialed you last night. And Emma's like, no, you didn't. I get- didn't get a phone call from you. As that conversation with Emma ends, there is another interaction with Sue. She once again calls Will an alcoholic. Yeah, this is like a weird hill for Sue to die on this episode. I don't know. 
yeah. it just it, it leaves a bad taste in my mouth this whole subplot or this whole all of her lines but like it is also sue sylvester so that was maybe intentional well and it's like usually when sue insults will like this when she's like oh you're hair is ugly and you smell bad and you're a terrible teacher it's like funny whereas this feels very like oh i'm gonna have you confined to rehab for 48 hours because i think you're an addict it's like that's also we've almost never seen will get drunk drunk before this so i don't know like what evidence she has about this which implies that maybe she thinks she's just joking but we also know at this point she has received the phone call that will come up later so like it's it's just not funny. That's anyway. how I describe this whole episode. Like it's just not funny. There's some funny parts. There's you guys are like brothers, like brothers. Fair. Um. And K Dollar Sign Ha. And at the end of this interaction, Sue makes kind of like a veiled threat, where she's like, "Oh, you're you better watch out," and like, "I'm just nursing you back to health so that I can beat you when you're at your strongest." And you had your chance to do this the easy way. Will walks away. And we go back to the Hummel's house. Where we know it's the middle of the day. So they're making breakfast in the morning. And yet the scene we just saw was at the school. It could have been early in the day. But there were students walking around as well. Which implies that Kurt is at his house making breakfast with his dad but also the school day has started i just who fucking knows anyway we're gonna talk about this scene for a hot minute because basically they're trying to make breakfast and kurt and bert are both like getting frustrated with each other and bert says that he is still not comfortable about having about kurt having had a guy over without telling him and Kurt's like, well, don't worry about it. Like, we didn't do anything. And also, really, it was me doing the responsible thing because Blaine was drunk. And, like, I wasn't going to let my friend drive home drunk. Mm-hmm. And then, but, of course, that just makes Bert more anxious because it's like, wait, you guys were drinking? You guys were, like, getting drunk? That's ups- an upsetting thing for a dad to hear. Mm-hmm. And then he gets on this weird tirade about, like, I don't want you doing anything inappropriate. And Kurt's like, well, A, we didn't do anything. And B, would you be saying that if it was Finn having a girl over? What he says versus would you let uh, like Finn have Puck over? And Bert says that's different, which fair enough, it is. But he does say that like he wouldn't let Finn have Rachel over. And which is like, I feel a reasonable thing to like, no sleepovers with your significant other which you know Blaine and Kurt aren't dating at this point but like it's a reasonable thing to say in my mind I guess but then Kurt brings up what is like kind of the actual crux of the issue which is okay I understand how you're trying not to have a double standard but would it make you uncomfortable because then Bert says like well I don't know what two gay guys do and I watched all of Brokeback Mountain and I still don't understand it And Kurt says, like, oh, so it's not my being gay that upsets you. It's just me acting on it. Which I will say is a uh, very Catholic emotion, if that's what's happening inside of Bert's brain. And I will say not to, like, excuse his actions or anything. But 
in the time where Bert would have been growing up, there was a lot of propaganda about, oh, well, all gay men are rapists, all gay men are, like, sexual predators, and oh, they're all gonna die from AIDS one of these days. So it's, like, it's a little bit, like, I kind of understand where your fear comes from, but also, like, maybe, I don't know, do some Googling. Well, and that's how the scene ends, too, because Kurt is like, well, what do you want from me? And Bert just says, I want you to apologize for being inappropriate and promise me you'll never do it again. And Kurt's like, um, fine, I'm sorry. But you know what? If I did ever want to talk to you about sex. Those types of questions. About those types of questions. Maybe you should step out of your comfort zone and educate yourself so that I can go to you if I have those questions. Like any other boy could go to his yeah. dad. Like any other straight son could do with his dad, which is like such, I mean, we've talked about it before. Like Kurt struggles a lot with not being able to have like typical childhood developmental conversations and experiences because of being gay in middle of nowheresville ohio in 2000 in early 2010s you know like that will come up nearly every single kurt centric episode a, a frustrating scene because it feels like both kurt and bert are not getting to the core of what they want and they're just kind of like talking around the issue mm -hmm. but you know as usual it gives bert at least some food for thought and we know it eventually strengthens their relationship so it's like okay at least there's that we go then an, into the assembly where Figgins is about to announce the Glee Club to everyone. And everyone's talking about how they haven't been drinking for the past couple days. But Rachel brings like a a big plastic... What it is fucking jungle juice? It's a plastic jug and I'm going to list what it is. It's, she says it's whatever was left in her dad's liquor cabinet. It's brandy, vermouth, port wine, scotch... Kool-Aid, crumbled up Oreos, and then when Tina says it tastes like cough syrup, Rachel says, oh yeah, there's also cough syrup. I'm just gonna say, not to spoil it, but again, you know, like, how do you spoil a, a TV show that was a cultural icon in 2011? Not to spoil it, but, like, no fucking wonder Britney grew up. I would too! Yeah. And then Figgins announces, like, okay, here are the new directions, performing Tick and also Talk by artist Key Dollar Sign Ha. And we start TikTok by Kesha, sung by our queen, Brittany S. Pierce, and it slaps. And the dancing is great, and she is fully, capital L, leading this number. And as usual with these assemblies, all of the students start rioting. They are losing their Truly, damn the Glee mind. Club is wildly unpopular and gets bullied, except when it's convenient for the plot to them not to be. Yeah, like, supposedly we would like to believe that these Glee kids are getting slushied every single day because they're such nerd losers but also everyone in the school is going ape shit over this number as i would too frankly if i was watching this because oh for sure it. as things are going on however we see Brittany uh say to rachel like oh i don't feel so good and rachel's like oh just power through but they get through like one more stanza of the song and Brittany projectile vomits on rachel's face and then Which, if anyone vomit. deserved to have projectile vomit on their face, it was Rachel. And I'm not saying it this time just because I hate her. I'm saying it this time because she's the one that brought the vomit juice. Yeah, it definitely is her fault. Um, and this, of course, brings the assembly to like a screeching halt 
because all the students go like holy shit did that just happen like are we really seeing that and everything's like super awkward and we don't really get to see the official ending of the assembly but assumably like the school day starts again everyone's in their classes and we hear a monologue from sue sylvester over the pa where she announces to everyone that will schuster two days ago called her in the middle of the night drunk it's oh stop i like i i want to tear my skin off just hearing that and she plays the full voicemail over the pa for everyone in the school to hear and it's this awful bit of will drunkenly slurring like why don't you come over and like bring some drinks and we'll have a roll in the hay and like i wrote a bull tonight and i thought of you gross you know if the tiktok scene didn't make you want to vomit this certainly will will. Um, i feel like you know will does kind of rightfully get flack for this part but like no consequences for sue for blasting this over the pa system oh yeah absolutely an inappropriate thing to do to your coworker. Um, Even if she wanted to publicly embarrass him, like, do it at a staff meeting, bitch. Yeah, at least around adults. Anyway, that's obviously extremely awkward. And then we go into um, a scene in the principal's office with the whole Glee Club and Mr. Shu. And everyone thinks that... um, Everyone thinks that, like, they're going to get suspended. They're going to be in huge trouble because, obviously, the, the assembly was a disaster. And Will tries to, like, be mad at them. Oh, fuck. What does she call him? Will tries to reprimand them, but Santana's like, well, you're not that much better, boozy Miss boozy McDrunk pants or something like that. Another iconic Santana insult is the point. Um, but then Figgins announces to everyone that actually everyone or he he's like wow your special effects at this week's assembly were great and this has been the first week in months where not a single student has come to school drunk because they've all been like scared straight and he gives them frozen yogurt coupons and everyone's like this is excellent oh he says his pastor wants to meet will as soon as possible and my question is like does everyone in the school also then think that Will's drunken voicemail was part of the, like, You know, maybe. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, like, maybe they also think it's part of this, like, scared, like, trying to scare them straight, show them the dangers of, of alcoholism. Because, I mean, frankly, if the if the vomiting wasn't enough to scare them straight, I would also be horribly mortified by this voicemail. So that would so definitely be true. Yeah. And then we go into back into the Glee Club room. And this is where the, the episode starts feeling very PSA, where Brittany says, like, oh, my God, I'm never going to drink again. And Rachel's like, I'm never going to drink because being vomited on changes you as a person. And I then, will say as someone who's worked in childcare, eh, not really. That's that perhaps feels like a different situation because you can't control that. Whereas, like, these kids actively did the things that led to them vomiting everywhere. And Will starts to, like, reprimand them a little bit, like, don't drink at school, and also just you drinking right now in general is illegal, so don't do it. And Quinn says, well, isn't that the pot calling the kettle black? And Brittany says, that's so racist, which is a very funny line, 
But I would like to say, I don't think it is the pot calling the kettle black. Because he's a grown-up! Yeah, Will, Will is making a good point here that it's stupid to drink and then go to school. And it's stupid to drink when you could get arrested. Whereas, like, Will drinking in the safety of his own home is still irresponsible on some level, but it's not, like, actively endangering him. Anyway. And like he said, he's having, like, one beer sometimes with dinner. I don't know a soul on earth who gets drunk off of one beer. I'm sure they're out there, but but the next line then is him saying, like, oh, I'm going to quit drinking completely. I'm not even going to have beer at the end of the day. And I, oh my god, I think I just had an epiphany right now as we're recording. Is this episode actually a parody of drinking PSAs? I mean, I know that we have deep discussions about how much of a parody Glee is, but I feel like they're not smart enough to make this specific instance a parody. But it kind of feels like maybe that's what they're doing because they've now gone from saying, like, getting shit-faced drunk underage is the equivalent of having a beer with your dinner. Uh, Fair enough, I guess. The epitome of Glee satirizing something so much it just becomes the thing it's trying to satirize. Yeah. And then he does something which I'm actually, I, I admittedly kind of admire in that, well, for, the first part of it is stupid, which is he gives them all, like, you know, a pledge to sign about they're not going to drink anymore. Um, but what he also does is he puts his phone number on it. So it's like, if you are ever out and drunk, I do not care what time it is. Call me. I will drive you home so you're safe. Which is like a weird thing to come from a teacher, admittedly. It is weird, but I think it's better than nothing. Yeah, it's a weird thing to come from a teacher, but, like, if you come at it from the perspective of, like, this is an adult in their life that they deeply trust, and also, like, they've already been to his house multiple times, I do feel like, yeah, this is, like, I, I respect this. I respect a, I would rather you be safe and we can talk about any inappropriate actions later, no questions asked, I will come pick you up from somewhere. It's supposed to be this big, like, hurrah, because we've all learned a lesson this week. And Finn, I think Finn asks, like, but what about what happens after we win nationals? And Will says, well, I'll buy the sparkling cider for everyone. And it's, like, very, everyone's happy, wrapped up in a neat little bow, all of the loose ends tied up. And then we go to the ending scene, which is Rachel and Kurt at the lima bean. And they're, they're betting with each other because Kurt says, like, oh, Blaine always comes here after school. And Rachel's so excited because she's finally going to have a boyfriend who can keep up with her vocally. And she walks right up to Which, Blaine. did she not date Jesse St. James? Are we just conveniently forgetting that one? Yeah, I guess. She walks right up to Blaine in line to get coffee and just fucking lays one on him. Yes, max a kiss on him, and they kiss for maybe like a couple seconds. It lingers she... for a weird amount of time. Yeah, because because you're not sure what's gonna happen, and they break apart. And Blaine goes, "Oh yeah, I'm gay, one hundred percent gay." Thanks for clearing that up for me, Rachel. Perhaps one of the most iconic lines we've had three iconic lines this episode: the brothers one. The I'd say bye if it didn't offend you. And thanks for clearing that up with me, Rachel. And then Rachel, Kurt comes up to Rachel and is like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, I'm sure you're really hurt now. But Rachel's like, no, this is perfect. I've now dated a guy who turned out to be gay. 
and this is perfect for songwriting. I need to compose. Yeah, so it's like, okay, great. I guess no one's feelings are hurt anyway. So what's your favorite song this episode? My headband, obviously. Honestly, unfortunately, it's probably Blame It on the Alcohol. I also, you know, this episode made me remember how much I love Blame It on the Alcohol. I listen to Don't You Want Me more often, but the Blame It on the Alcohol cover is really good. Worst song this episode is obviously My Headband, but that's, I also don't really consider that like a real song. I would say that the, then the worst one is probably, um, one, the one, one that they do one in the scotch, bar. One beer. Um, but I mean, even that is pretty good. So I feel like the net total of the episode, like, is like, yeah, there were good covers this episode. And who, Will Schuster, you know, he didn't do anything illegal because he is above the drinking age. But my God, that drunk phone dial, truly awful. Um, so next episode, we are doing Sexy, which is an episode where Holly Holiday comes back and the Glee writers write more things for our characters that are inappropriate for children in high school, where we'll probably uh, complain for an hour and... Yeah, And what else are you coming to this podcast for at this point? Uh, <laughs> if, if not complaining, what else do we offer to the world? That is our show. Thank you so much for listening. You can find us on Twitter, Tumblr, and Instagram at SingSationsPod. That is S-I-N-G-S-A-T-I-O-N-S-P-O-D. You can leave reviews for our podcast on various platforms. We're just very excited that people are still listening. I think that's very fun. We're like one and a half years into this now. Bye. I'd say bye, but I wouldn't want to offend you.